So what would Jesus say to somebody of this kind of influence, who has this kind of credit to his name, King James? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. LeBron James, more has been expected of him than any other athlete in the world. We're going to take a look at what Jesus would say to LeBron today. And the whole purpose of the sermon series is hopefully to learn how we can, like Jesus, engage in other people's lives. How we can have dialogue and God conversations. As we look through scripture, we see Jesus continually engaging people in his day. And he would have these God conversations with people who sometimes didn't want anything to do with him, certainly believed differently than he did, and yet he was able to dialogue with them. He would know their story. And and one of the, the skills that I hope the body of Christ can learn in these days is how to have a conversation. First, it starts by getting to know the person. As we look in on examples in Scripture, as we look at these examples of LeBron and Joe Biden and Donald Trump, once you get to know their story, you can find ways to use their story and tell them God's story. To have a conversation in the midst of who they are and where they've been and let them know who God is, the one who created them. LeBron James is the focus today, a conversation with LeBron As you know, or hopefully you were paying attention, it was kind of hard during COVID. NBA was one of the first sports back. It was the first championship, and the Lakers, who have had a drought for a number of years, won their first NBA championship because LeBron James came to L.A. LeBron has won four NBA championships. He has four NBA Most Valuable Player awards. He also has been the finalist MVP four times. He has two Olympic gold medals. His list of accomplishments go on and on and on. If you were watching the video and paying attention, there have been some labels placed over this unique individual. One of those labels is he's known as King James. Now, I almost preached from the King James Version today just in light of who he is, but if you have some hard times understanding the Old English, I thought I'd stay in the New American Standard. King James. James. What a label, what a title. He has been labeled as one of the greatest, perhaps the greatest player ever to play the game. So what would Jesus say to somebody of this kind of influence, who has this kind of uh, uh, credit to his name, King James? Well, the first thing he would say, and this is going to be true in each conversation, Matter of fact, if you're ever having a conversation with somebody, I hope at some point you can share these two truths with them as well. First thing he would say to LeBron is what he says to every human being, I love you, LeBron. I love you. Uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved who? The world. LeBron, you and me. He is the God of love. And yet Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, he says, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, would be opened, that you might be able to know the love of Christ. I think he would say to LeBron, LeBron, I know you know I love you. He was raised in the Catholic school. Uh, He was raised by a mom who would point him to God in many ways. He's very familiar with who God is. The question is the difference between the head and the heart. 
And he would want LeBron to have the eyes of his heart open to know the love of Christ. He would want that for you, and he'd want that for me as well. Number two, the second thing I think he would say to LeBron and everyone is, I have a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, a verse that was spoken into Jeremiah's day, but is a universal truth. We know that God has a unique and divine purpose for each and every one of us. He said, man, I wish God's plan for me was to be a multimillionaire like LeBron. I wish God's plan for me would have been to dunk a basketball. That was my prayer growing up. Uh, That was my sport of choice was basketball. The only ball I ever dunked in my whole life was a Nerf basketball in my bedroom. I would have loved for that to have been the plan. I would have loved to have been gifted in those ways. But God's plan, watch this. Look at verse 29, or verse 11 of chapter 29. God's plan is not just about this lifetime. It's much bigger than that. For he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity. Now, we live in a world full of calamity because sin has tainted this life experience. So we will have calamity, but that wasn't God's eternal plan. And God's plan is bigger than just today. Look at what it says. For my plan is to give you a future and a hope. While Jesus came to give us an abundant life, to change our life today, his plan is much bigger than this lifetime. It's much bigger than landing a contract with Nike or being famous in this lifetime. God's plan for your life is an eternal plan, a future plan and a hope. There's much more to life than this lifetime. Well, what else would Jesus say to LeBron? I think he would speak into LeBron's life and say, LeBron, I know where you come from. I know your childhood, and I know uh, your father abandoned you. But LeBron, know this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you don't know LeBron's story, he was born to a 16-year-old mother. A mother in high school who got pregnant, and to this day, LeBron still does not know who his real father is. His father uh, abandoned this 16-year-old teenage mother uh, in high school, disappeared, didn't want the responsibility, didn't want a child in his life, and he went running. A 16-year-old mother who could have aborted her child wanted that baby. He would be born into difficult circumstances. She had no job. She had no money. And they would grow up, or he would be uh, first living with his grandmother, Gloria's mother, until the age of three. The age of three, his grandmother died of a heart attack. Now his mother, Gloria, and, and he were on the streets. They had nowhere to live. She had no job. She had no income. They'd lost their shelter, and now they were living on the streets. Over the next three years, they would move 12 different times. Going from friend to relative to stranger, apartment to a home, to the streets, to the back of a car, wherever they could find shelter. Eventually, Gloria would have to, at the age of six or nine, I forget the age, but in his childhood years, would have to surrender him for a season to his football coach because she couldn't provide for her son. A father who had abandoned him, a mother who had to let him go and be under the care of a football coach. I'm sure he struggled. Why is everyone leaving? And that can carry over into our view on who God is. The beautiful part of this story is his mom didn't leave him for a long period of time. She did what she had to do to go earn the income to provide for her family. 
She would eventually come back and she would be reunited with LeBron and she would raise him from that day forward. She would become his hero. In an interview, if you ever hear LeBron talking about anything, he's always talking about his mother. His mother who was his, or is his superhero, who would not be defeated, who would not be conquered, who would not give up. She fought to take care of her child and to raise a family. He said in an interview, he said, I don't know if she read about it or she just heard about it, but from day one, I always had the mother and father inside of my mother. So I never was a kid that was like, kind of like, where is my father, James said. She gave me strength to a point where I never even had to think about it. I have no idea where she got it from, and to this day, I still won't even ask her. But she's definitely my champion. As he won this last title that everybody said could not happen, that he was too old and the Lakers were too far gone after winning his fourth NBA championship. All the other players were in the locker room celebrating and, and rejoicing, and LeBron quickly stepped out into the hallway and just had to call his mom. And as he called his mom, it was overheard by reporters. And she would say over the phone, she would remind him as he was saying, Mom, isn't this awesome? Isn't this awesome? And listen to what she said. She pulled a Tom Duckett. She said, LeBron, God is good. To which LeBron said, God is good. God is great. He gets it a little bit differently. But he said he at least was trying to give some credit. God is good and God is great. And Mom, I hope I always make you proud. To this day, his mom, who was always there for him, the best she could be, is still his hero. And I think God would step into that moment and would say, LeBron, I understand your father abandoned you, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Let's find this conversation. It's a conversation God is having with Moses. Moses was going through difficulties. Moses was overwhelmed. The enemy was crashing in on he and his people. And it looked like certain death. And God would have a conversation with Moses. And what he spoke to Moses is what he would speak to LeBron. It's what he would speak to you and what he would speak to me. Be strong and courageous. Now, we're not talking about human strength here. We're not trying to muster up something. We're talking about a reality that comes when you know this truth. Look at it. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble at them, the enemy. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. I want you to underline that this morning. Matter of fact, it's important. I think you ought to write it down. You ought to write that statement. The Lord God goes with me. You see, there are all kinds of circumstances that come our way. The circumstances of Moses. The circumstances of LeBron growing up on the streets, not knowing who his father was, being abandoned, he thought, by his own mother in that moment, wondering, is there anybody who wants me? Thinking, God, why? Why me? It's easy to go to the why instead of the reality of knowing that wherever we go and whatever we face, the Lord God will go with us. Look at what else it says. For he will not fail you or forsake you. LeBron, trust me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will go with you wherever you go and whatever you go through, I will go with you. And there's somebody this morning that needs to hear that. Maybe you're worshiping online and you just happen to catch this message and God drew you this for this very moment to know that the Lord God is with you in this very moment. 
Rest in that and know the reality of who God is. Sometimes God can feel like he's a million miles away. Sometimes we can feel like we're in this world all alone. But here's the Lord saying, I am with you and I go with you wherever you go. If you look at this next picture, uh, it is a reality of who God is. You may not be able to see it necessarily in this picture. Let's go to the next slide. And what you see here, now that's not God's shadow, but it is a shadow. And it is a picture of who God described himself as. If you read in scripture, he says, I am the shadow of the Almighty. The reason there's a shadow on that pavement is because there's somebody present there in the light. And that presence is what casts the shadow. When he reveals himself as the shadow of the Almighty, it's a reminder to you and me that God is right there with us. We may not be able to see him with our own eyes, but that shadow, the shadow of the Almighty is there because he is present. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we can rest and we can find courage in the shadow of the Almighty. LeBron, I am there. I am with you. I go with you wherever you go. Next thing I think LeBron would hear from Jesus is they have a conversation. I'm sure it would come up and he would talk to him about his father and the pain of all that moment. And he would say to LeBron, I am, let me tell you who I am. You may know my name, Jesus, but I want you to know this. I am the father to the fatherless. Watch this video clip and listen to LeBron talk about his daddy. You've talked about how important being a dad is to you. And you've been open about the fact that that's partly because you didn't know your father right. growing up. You want to be the opposite. I was still su pretty surprised, I got to tell you, to see your Instagram post from earlier this year. You basically wrote a note to your dad. And you said, you know what? I don't know you. I have no idea who you are. But because of you is part of the reason I am who I am today. The fuel that I use, you not being there, it's part of the reason I grew up to become who I am. What made you decide to... Um... Go out like that. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's the truth. I think, uh, you know, my whole life growing up, I think I just kind of always said, why me? You know, why me? Why wasn't, why didn't my dad want to be around? I feel like I'm a pretty cool kid. I'm a good kid. Why wouldn't he want to be around for me? And then as I got older and older and kind of had my own family, I started to think, you know, the reason he wasn't there is the reason why I became so strong mentally, um, so loving to my mother. Um, and, and I am who I am today because he wasn't there, um, because I use it as motivation. Everything that I've gained, um, he has a role in that um, because I used it. Have you ever thought as you've gotten older, maybe what if, should I explore a relationship with him? And... Uh, I mean, of course, the, the, the what if situation has definitely popped in my head, but um, you know, I, think I'm, I think I'm good where I am. <laughs> it's a tough place to be. Why? Why was my dad not there? Psalm 68 verse 5 says, Father of the fatherless, protector of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. In all the different descriptors God could have chosen to reveal himself and try to paint a picture to you and me and to LeBron of who he is, he chose to reveal himself as father. Now for some people, that's a tainted image. Maybe you have an experience similar to LeBron's. Your daddy wasn't who he needed to be. Maybe your daddy abandoned or your daddy was absent or your daddy ignored or your daddy abused. And that word picture of a father is not a good picture, but I want you to understand, no matter what an earthly father has represented to you, there is a heavenly father who wants to love you as his child. 
Jesus taught us to pray. Not just to pray to the big man upstairs. Not just to pray to the God of the universe. But he said, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven. That's how God wants you to relate to him. Not as some cosmic power. Not some sovereign Lord. Although he is Lord. But he wants to be your Father. Not just LeBron, but you and me. A fascinating situation happens in John chapter 8. You can turn there if you want or note it in your notes. But Jesus has a dialogue with some people who had daddy issues. They were confused about who their daddy was. Uh, These were religious people. They were people who showed up for church all the time, like many do in America today. And yet they didn't know who their daddy was. They thought Abraham was their daddy. Uh, They knew who their earthly fathers were. But Jesus has a conversation with them and says, you're greatly confused. You see, if you really were of your daddy Abraham, you would be people of faith. You would trust me. You would believe my word. You wouldn't be trying to kill me. He said, there's no way you're uh, children of Abraham because you couldn't be murderers. He goes on later in the conversation. He says, actually, you're of your father, the devil. For he is the father of all lies, and he has been a murderer from the beginning. There's your real daddy. And he has a conversation to get them to understand that if you don't have a heavenly father, you have the wrong daddy. When we were born in this world, we were born under sin and the condemnation of sin. And as a result, the God of our souls, our daddy, was Satan. You may not want to see that. They didn't want to see it, but that's exactly what Jesus pointed out to him. He says, you're confused. You need a heavenly father. They said, whoa, 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 we know who our daddy is. We're fine. We're fine. We are God's chosen people. And he said, no, you got a religion, but you don't have a heavenly father. To Nicodemus, who was teaching these very people. He would say to Nicodemus late at night, Nicodemus, your problem is not that you need to know more about me so you can teach better about me. You need to know me. You need to be born a second time, born again. You have an earthly father, and every one of us, even LeBron James, even though he may not know who his daddy is, through his DNA it can be traced back, and we can know who his earthly father is. We all are here because we have an earthly father. But in eternity, it doesn't matter who your daddy was on earth. It matters if you have a heavenly father. And we can only become the children of God as we submit to him as that, our our eternal father. I think the next thing that Jesus would say is he's talking to LeBron, and I'm sure LeBron would be able to talk about a lot of things that he's doing and involved in, and and I think he'd say, LeBron, well done. You're doing some great things, but use your influence for eternity. I think he'd say that to you and me. He does say that to you and me. Matter of fact, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. How much more could be given to us? You say, well, I haven't been given everything at LeBron. I don't have the platform LeBron has. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you've been given much. Too much is given. What more could be given than grace? What more could we receive but God's forgiveness? To whom much is given, much is, much is what? Required. LeBron James has been ranked by Forbes magazine as one of the most influential athletes of all times. In Time magazine, he was listed as one of the hundred most influential people in all the world. 
In 2018, his estimated net worth was $450 million, and they believe he may become the first billion-dollar athlete. He's represented brands like Coca-Cola, Duncan Brands, McDonald's, Nike, State Farm, and Beats by Dre. When he was a sophomore in high school, there was a fight for his image to represent their companies between Nike, Adidas, and Reebok. As a high school student, he signed a contract before he ever played a game of basketball in the NBA for $90 million. Can you imagine? Now to this day, he is known as the greatest earning basketball player in all the world. For one Instagram post related to the Nike brand, he gets, watch this, all he does, punch in a few little letters, hit send, post an Instagram for Nike, he makes $300,000 per post. He is a man of great influence, and he seeks to be a social media influencer. He seeks to change what's going on in our culture and related to especially black lives and a number of other causes. And he's doing a lot of good things to make a difference in his lifetime. He supports after-school all-stars in Cleveland, providing for them scholarships to get to college. He supports the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Children's Defense Fund, and 1X1, which supports children with five pillars in their mission to address the issues of hunger, health, education, water, and play. And all those things are good things, and at least he is focusing his energies towards trying to make a difference in his lifetime. But turn over to Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, and look what Jesus says about our influence. Not just to LeBron, but to you and me. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. The scripture says, he who is not with me is against me. In other words, there's only two camps of people. Not those who can slam a basketball and those who can't. Not who get to play in the NBA and those who don't. Not who are millionaire brackets and those who are not millionaires. And Jesus says, those who are with me, those who are part of my family, or there are those who are against me. There's no middle ground. The children of Abraham, who thought that was their daddy, tried to play the middle ground. This is who we are. And he says, no, no, no. You're not with me. Therefore, you're against me. And look at the reality. He points out that every person in this room is an influencer. You may not be getting paid for your Instagram. You may not even be on Instagram. But you're still an influencer. You're still influencing someone. Because Jesus goes on to say, you are either gathering people to the kingdom or you're scattering people from the kingdom. It's always a humbling thing to think. I wonder how many people want to know Jesus, my Jesus, because they know me, they know my story and my love for Jesus. Or how many are scattered because they know me who claims to live for Jesus. It's a humbling reality that all of us are influencing somebody for all of eternity. Listen to Matthew 5, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You see, it's important that we are glorifying God in the life we live, the works that we engage in, and we don't do those works to earn God's love. We do those works because we know the love of God. 
And our desire is not for people to look at us and say, oh, wow, look at Bill Hulse. Look at how cool a guy is. Oh, LeBron, you do this for all these kids? Man, what a hero. The glory is not to come to us. We're to be reflectors that draw the glory to God. May God see, or may the people see God in you, and may they desire to give God glory for what He's doing in you. You see, there are good works, and then there are glorious works. LeBron's doing a lot of good things and a lot of important things. But it's more important that we do things as well that bring glory and point people to Christ. Make sure you're gathering people to the kingdom. Next thing I think he'd say to LeBron quickly is this. I am the chosen one. I am the chosen one. Now, I don't know if you noticed this. Here's a, a, a Sports Illustrated cover. I think it was 2002, if I'm not mistaken. High school student playing at a high school, Catholic high school, as a sophomore, and they labeled him the chosen one. I think Jesus would say, hey, I saw the cover of Sports Illustrated. Nice shot. Nice photo. But I'm the chosen one. And I think LeBron would say, or maybe you're saying, what does it mean Jesus is the chosen one? Let me show you. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1. Isaiah 42, verse 1. As you're turning there, they interviewed the photographer who took the picture that day. He was a backup photographer. This wasn't supposed to be an important story. I mean, after all, this was just a high school kid. And so the main photographer for Sports Illustrated was busy shooting the superstars, and they sent a sub to go take a picture of this high school kid named LeBron James. He said, when I showed up, I was blown away. He said, definitely, there was a kind of feeling of the Messiah. That's some, that's some pretty drastic language. That's some overhype. He said, you have to be careful with something like that. I mean, I'm not saying Jesus, but things can get overblown in sports. I think it was just like in Star Wars. Luke Skywalker, the chosen one, is a feeling that this person is kind of a godsend. Definitely LeBron was a godsend for the NBA. A chosen one, a godsend. Let me show you where that concept came from. It comes from Isaiah 42, verse 1. When God said, behold my servant, speaking of Jesus, behold my servant whom I uphold, my, what is it? Chosen one. My chosen one in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. I think he would say to LeBron, LeBron, I am the chosen one sent by God. I took on flesh and I was sent in this world for a purpose. Matter of fact, God chose me before the foundation of the world to bring justice to the nations. What is justice? Justice is making sure that a crime that has been committed is paid for. That's justice. And Jesus came because you and I committed the crime. We all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, what's the penalty? Justice declares death. Eternal separation from a holy God. But God so loved LeBron and God so loved you and me that he sent his chosen one. The God sent one was sent to be a substitute to pay and to provide justice. Paying the price that we could not pay. Jesus did that for you, for me, and LeBron. The chosen one is the only one and the only way we can be saved. 
It's only through the chosen one that we can know salvation. For Jesus said, I am the way, the chosen way. I am the truth, the chosen truth. And I am the life. In Luke chapter 23, people were struggling with this reality. And, and, and we go on to see this challenge. The people stood by and they claimed, if he can save himself, let him save himself. If he is the chosen one. See, when Jesus walked on this earth, that's what he declared. I'm the God sent one. I am Messiah, sent from the Father, the one that has been prophesied, the one you've been looking for. I am the chosen one. And yet people stood by and just ignored it. On the inscription above his head, soldiers would mock him. And they would declare, this is the supposed king of the Jews, the chosen one. In Ephesians 1, verse 4, it tells us that even as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him the chosen one Jesus was chosen before we ever even sinned God in all of his sovereignty and all of his knowledge knowing that we would sin knowing we would be separated knowing that that demanded justice because God is not only a loving God but a just God chose the way of salvation Jesus the chosen one he chose the way and the truth is the only way we can have salvation is through the chosen one, to be chosen in him. Are you part of the chosen? Do you know the chosen one? LeBron, I am the chosen one. Next thing he would say is also know this. I know they call you King James, but I'm the king of kings. You may have your own kingdom on this earth. They may call you King James. There have been other kings before you. There will be other kings after you. Matter of fact, the guy preaching this message, his middle name is King. But if there were no kings, there could not be a king of kings. And my will for your life is that I would be your king, the king of your life. Unfortunately, many of you have been preached about a Savior, Jesus. Yes, he is the Savior, but when does he save us? When he becomes the king of this king. When he becomes the king of your life. You see, that's what a king does. A king is one who provides for the subjects. He protects them from the enemy. He gives them sustenance and life. And that's who our king of kings is. You can't just receive Jesus as a little ticket to heaven, a little savior. You receive him as your king. And he saves you. When you make him lord of your life. The Bible would say... Many have known this name, Jesus the King. At his birth, the Magi would show up and declare, we are looking for the King of the Jews. We've seen the star in the sky. We come looking for the King. Pilate would ask him at his trial, are you the King of the Jews? Again, on the cross, there labeled above his head, they wrote the inscription, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. They thought he declared to be an earthly king. He isn't just a king. He isn't just king of the Jews. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Very quickly, write this down. The last thing he would say is this. Recently, when Kobe Bryant, the Laker legend, was tragically killed in a helicopter accident, one of the biggest regrets, it was an article, you can see it up on the screen, LeBron said, my greatest regret... He received a text when he signed with the Los Angeles Lakers from Kobe, welcoming him to the L.A. Laker family. 
And he said, we've got to get together. I'd love to explain to you the lay of the L.A. land. They tried for weeks to get together. Their schedules were so busy, they never could get together for dinner. He said, my biggest regret is I'll never be able to have dinner with LeBron. I missed the dinner. You can see in Scripture, and we're out of time, there's a more important, I think Jesus would say, hey, LeBron, as much as you miss that dinner, don't miss the eternal dinner. There's a banquet I'm inviting you to, LeBron, that I invite all people to. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's an eternal gathering. But if you read about it, and you can read about it in Scripture, if you go to Luke chapter 14, we don't have time to go there, but you can read in Luke 14 the parable where Jesus lays it out, and he says, I invited them. I invited many people, and they all made excuses. They made excuses, and they missed the marriage supper of the Lamb. LeBron, don't miss that dinner. The one you missed with Kobe, that's unfortunate. That's in this lifetime. Don't miss that eternal banquet. Don't, don't miss that fellowship with me. For blessed is he, the Bible says in Revelation, blessed is he who I've granted to eat and drink with me at my table. Have you RSVP'd for that banquet? Have you nailed that down in your life? Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. What would Jesus say to LeBron? More importantly, what's Jesus saying to you and me this morning? For some, he's saying to you, I want to be your father. I want a relationship with you. You know about God. You know about me. You know I died for your sins, but you don't know me. You don't, you've not been born twice. You need a heavenly father. If that's you this morning, you can pray and say, God, I need you as my father. Save me from my sin. God, I need a relationship with you. It's that short of a prayer. It's that powerful of a prayer. It's that life-changing prayer that allows us to become the children of God. If that's you, right where you are, and that might even be you as you worship online, right where you are, wherever you are, right now, just say, God, save me. I need a father. I need a heavenly father. And if you just prayed that, the Bible says God now lives in you. To as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. You can mark on that communication card in a moment, or you can reach out online. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. There are some in this room, you've made that decision. You have a heavenly father. But maybe you needed to hear those words, I am with you always. I go with you. I am the shadow of the Almighty. I will give you courage and I will give you strength. Maybe that's what you needed to hear today. And your response would be, God, God, may I walk in the power and the courage of that knowledge. God, change my perspective. God, be my strength. Maybe, maybe it's about your influence. Maybe there's somebody you've scattered recently because of the testimony you're living before them. Maybe you just need to ask God to be alive in your story again. I don't know what the need is, but whatever it is, would you respond in these holy moments? Just tell God what's on your heart. Father God, may you be supreme in this moment. King of kings and Lord of lords, the chosen one. God, I thank you that you so loved us, you sent your only son. God, may we live 
in perfect submission to you, our King. We're asking in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.